also want to say a few words about the unprecedented assault on free speech we have seen in recent days. These are tense and difficult times. The efforts to censor, cancel, and blacklist our fellow citizens are wrong and they are dangerous. What is needed now is for us to listen to one another, not to silence one another. All of us can choose by our actions to rise above the rancor and find common ground and shared purpose. We must focus on advancing the interests of the whole nation, delivering the miracle vaccines, defeating the pandemic, rebuilding the economy, protecting our national security, and upholding the rule of law. Today, I am calling on all Americans to overcome the passions of the moment and join together as one American people. Let us choose to move forward united for the good of our families, our communities, and our country. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Good evening, America, and welcome to a special Sunday night edition of The Sea Report. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy. Um, glad to be back. We just had a small hiccup. You see, that's why I don't like to say too much, but you know, it happens. It happens. Uh, thank you all for joining us. A big thanks to Methods. We did, um, a, 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 literally, he helped me do an on-the-air troubleshoot and we got this working again. So many thanks to Mr. Methods and everything he's doing at the Foxhole app. So this is pretty cool <laughs> because I was already I was already waxing poetically about coincidences and being non-existent and stuff like that. But here's the reason why I was saying that because we're gonna have the Shadowgate watch party. I know some of you guys have been waiting for this. I would say absolutely at the head of this, guys, any questions you have, any concerns you have, drop the comments. Um, this is going to be a watch party and a partial analysis. So I might pause the film. And I hope you guys are not the kind of people that mind if I pause the film to say a few words or to even answer some questions, because there is definitely a lot of um, there's definitely a lot of questions around this entire documentary, whether it be about the content of the documentary or the content creators or the subjects portrayed in the documentary. This documentary is rife with scandal. Um, and when I say scandal, I mean, because this documentary is perhaps the most the most banned and censored documentary of modern times. And I would say what, maybe modern times of 2004, you know, or something like that, but no other documentary has been banned and censored as much as this one has. And we'll talk a little bit about that before we get into the show. But first I do want to welcome everyone over who's joining us live at the Foxhole app at Twitch and at DLive. And I just wanted to uh, just wanted to thank you all for your diligence and tuning in and, and returning uh, to see what we got going on today. I've been waiting for this, guys. Like, I've been waiting to, to do this, and I thought that 
um, on the heels of the uh, Forgotten Country Patriot Roundup that this was very appropriate. Um, and, and that's why I also opened up the show today with a word from President Trump about the importance of unity amongst conservatives, amongst patriots, amongst America first individuals. We're at this point, guys, where just like General Flynn was talking about on the stage, we have to be well informed, but we also have to be unified. We have to be organized and we have to be unified. And that is what I think, uh, that's the message that I was getting from that as well, is that we can no longer have this infighting we can no longer be dissing each other and censoring each other. Now, that's why it was so crazy about, you know, Shadowgate, because Shadowgate was censored and banned across the board and not just by the powers that be, the globalist elite, the big media, big tech and, and big money and stuff like that. They were censored by the patriot media itself this documentary was. And I think one of the ironies that you all might notice as we watch this film is that band.video, band.video, it's an Alex Jones outfit, banned this video from their website. So, I mean, what is what is going on with that? I don't know, guys. But um, uh, truly, indeed, um, it was a very inspiring day. I was watching the uh, the Patriot Roundup for God and Country this afternoon. Um, the speakers were amazing. Um, I really believe that uh, with um, the Kate Awakening, a star has been born, guys. Like, she's going to be blasting off into like you know the cosmos um her speech was so inspiring so down to earth so fluid you know um she just touched all i think meters that people run on when it comes to these kind of engagements you know she was funny she was informative she was candid like she was human and and i just i was blown away and and i'm not familiar with her work interestingly enough um but but definitely i will be watching and i will be tuning into the kate awakening and it was just that was one of the, that was probably my favorite um and then of course uh we did have um um red pill 78 i thought his um i thought his story was quite inspiring as well um and uh, general flynn as well when he was giving his speech like it was just an all-around great afternoon um for patriots and and everyone was fired up you know what i mean so uh on the heels of that like i said you know it's gonna be all about uh, not just um, doing our homework, doing our research, becoming an informed patriot base so that we can we can organize. It's going to be about organization, but it's also going to be about unifying guys. And and a lot of that's going to go to a bunch of different things. You know, when we talk about unification, like I said, when it comes to the Shadowgate documentary, there's a lot of consternation, especially among patriot circles um that uh i've noticed um and now i i don't i'm not i'm not the kind of person that uh, uh follows the crowd i guess you could say like if something's popular i will ignore it uh it's just something i do innately i don't, I don't do it on purpose i just it doesn't it's not palatable palatable to me um because it becomes a big kind to me it becomes like this big confluence of of just a bunch of influence and and like you know i don't know like uh I don't know how to describe it. Um, people just like moving all in one direction, but 
sometimes they get there late to the game, you know, like, uh, for example, and I'm not going to go too long into this, but like, think about like this new Q post that dropped, right? I, I don't know a bunch of the Q drops from Jack, you know, I got into the Q game very late, I'm not a decoder, you probably would say I don't have a right to speak on it. But looking from the outside in, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that phrase, a stranger for a while can see for a mile. And that is that someone who's gotten, who's has a fresh set of eyes to an already established whatever it is that you're looking at can see things that those who are within that establishment, whatever that is, don't always pick up on or see or might like, you know, some people just don't, I mean, because you, you're all in it. And so like when I saw that Q post, um, I don't know anything about trip codes and about, you know, the, I mean, I learned a little bit about some of the owners of these channel boards and stuff like that. But when I read it, um, it reminded me of um, of these uh, these Q Patriots that I had been talking to for a while, uh, probably about late 2020, early 2021. And, and I was trying to, I was just really observing because they were infighting with a whole bunch of other Q Patriots and they were trying to make a name for themselves and they were trying to establish themselves as decoders and they had threat and all this stuff, right? I mean, I, who they are, it doesn't matter. I don't even remember who they were, honestly. Uh, I just know one individual that I'd speak with specifically, but um, kind of a, a kind of the kind of the vibe that I got off of the Q post that I read, this new one that dropped. Everyone's kind of trying to figure it out. Um, uh, the questions that were posed at the end reminded me of um, were phrased in a way that reminds me of someone who's trying to maintain control and manipulation. Um, uh, don't forget who gave you all the information. Uh, don't forget, like, it, it, that's what, that's how I read it. And I don't know, guys, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about Q and, and, and I just, it, to me, that's the way I read it. Like it's uh, the last two, the questions that they asked at the end sound like the kind of questions that someone who wants to maintain control and is manipulative are posing those questions to you. And that reminded me of those people who were infighting with other decoders that were like, well, I'm the one that said this and don't forget who gave you this information and don't forget who gave you this decode. And I mean, it's not, to me, that's not really the point, you know, of Q. The point of Q is I think as, as most of y'all know and most of y'all have um, talked about and even they talked about it today during the Forgotten Country Conference, um, it, it was about awakening us to what's going on out there. And, and we probably should not really be getting attached to it. You know what I mean? And, and just using that as our daily bread. Uh, and then again, like I always say, guys, faith without works is dead. So don't get caught up and think, hey, I can get nice and I can get nice and comfortable here just, you know, watching these decodes. We need to actually go out and do something about it. You know, I mean, even Red Pill 78 had talked about, uh, you know, the precinct project, you know, things like that. You know, we need to actually be involved and be informed and be proactive in that regard. So that's kind of just my spiel on it. But that's what I'm saying, like the infighting, you know, and so it's all about unifying. So now let's go ahead and talk a little bit about um before we get into the before we get into um, the the shadow gate 
because uh, <laughs> we well, I had some other things I was gonna say, but we'll go ahead and, and, and pass over that. But uh, um, some of the some of the uh, things that come up with Shadowgate. Now let's let me give you a brief rundown in case you're not totally aware. Shadowgate was released in about August, mid to late August of 2020, by Millie Weaver, um, also known as Millennial Millie. Um, and she, of course, was working with the Alex Jones slash InfoWars outfit. Now, here's the thing. Now, a lot of people have given me flack about even um, um, mentioning the name Millie Weaver. Uh, people would attack her cadence. People would attack her on-screen appearance. Uh, people would attack the way she spoke. Um, people would say uh, she was a model. And it's true, before she joined Alex Jones' outfit, uh, as a news reporter and an investigative journalist, she was a model. Like, if you go search Millie Weaver, you will find some, you know, I mean, I'm sure the gentleman out there would love to see some of her photos. Uh, she's a very beautiful woman, you know, and and uh, so um, she she did do photo modeling. I mean, so that happens, you know, no one says that you can't change your profession or you can't wake up and want to do something different someday. Um, uh, but then another thing about it is that uh, they would also attack her as being a shill, and and a lot of them didn't understand how long she had been in the game, uh, because again, a lot of these people are waking up in 2017, 2018, 2019. They're following people like Alex Jones, and and we've already talked. I've already talked about Alex Jones and kind of given my opinion on what I think about him at this point in time, and. Um, you know, they, they, they're like, well, no, Alex said this. And I'm like, but don't you realize that she has been with him since 2012? Like she was with him for a good eight years before this went down. And then he totally backed out on her. And on one of my personal podcasts, I give my five points for why I think that Alex Jones is either compromised um, or he's been shilling to begin with. Um, but I, I think it's probably more in uh, the line of being compromised and being blackmailed uh but because a lot of people like still go to alex jones and yes he still does give information i don't i don't i don't listen to him anymore he's not even on any of my dials or anything like that but he still does give out that information that helps to wake people up so i get it you know like he still has a part to play in this whole process um, but um, ultimately, I do believe that the man is compromised, um, and, and that's pretty much all I'm going to say on that. Now, other individuals who are associated with this film that people look down on, um, um, well, Patrick Berge is a name that has come up. Now, I did, uh, I did do a watch party with you guys on a Patrick Berge interview uh, last month. Uh, and that was kind of a bit of a primer for what's going on here so we can understand. And Shadowgate, you'll get more of a sense of the work of what Patrick Berge does and and uh, and stuff like that. So um, I would say, you know, this man, uh, yes, yes, this man did create the software that the global elite and the globalists and all of those, you know, um, black hats and dark players, he did create the software that they have been using against us and they've been using against other cultures and peoples around the world so right out the bat you could say yeah this guy's uh this guy's uh the creator of shills so he is a shill um but i mean you'll see in the film um uh how they explain it and stuff like that um Berge, in my opinion is probably a very misunderstood 
but a very great American patriot. Um, he is fighting to get all of this out. I mean, these are whistleblowers. Bergie is a whistleblower. Um, what happens when you're a whistleblower? Think about uh, Project Veritas. Project Veritas has had several whistleblowers come on their program, and you never hear anyone saying, oh, well, they work for Facebook, so they must be lying. No, because they're a whistleblower. Like, they are, they are blowing the whistle on the corrupt, uh, corruption that's within that company or on whatever it is that they're doing. That's the same thing that's going on here, you know, and um, so Bergy is one of those whistleblowers. He actually invented the technology software that they are using today to control and manipulate people's opinions and also things as real as elections. OK, now think about Caitlin Bennett. Caitlin Bennett, who is uh, the machine gun girl, you know, I used to be a fan of hers and I'm not anymore, but like even she would go on to say uh, she was one of those who was saying things like, oh, well, these are these are dark figures. They're very they're very shady. You can't trust Bergy. You can't trust Tory and stuff like that. And we're going to talk about Tory, guys, because uh, Tory, I'm sure some of y'all may have heard of her. Some of y'all might be familiar with her, but she's one of the whistleblowers who's prominent in this film. And again, when it came to Tory, people were telling me, oh, well, but she worked for them. She worked for the deep state. So she's just a shill, you know, and and all I can say, guys, is this is where it really it really comes to my mind that you have to trust your gut. You we are all equipped with another sense, you know, when you can tell someone's lying, when you can tell someone is being fake. When you can tell someone is being disingenuous, you can feel it, right? And that's kind of what I'm talking about when it comes to this. And not just with this film in particular, but with all media that we engage with, whether that is the newspaper, whether that is the television, whether that is podcasts, whether that is live streams, whether that is, uh, you know, you we can tell, we can tell who's being disingenuous and we can feel it anyways. So it, that's where I say it comes down to trusting your gut. Like you have to trust your gut. You have to take everything with a grain of salt. Don't listen to me per se. Don't follow me, you know, trust your gut. And if what you feel like I'm saying resonates with you or has some merit, well then so be it. But you know, ultimately if your spidey sense is tingling and it's going off and you're like, I don't know about what this guy's saying. It doesn't seem right. Well then there's that. But then again, there's also the other factor of outside influence, which is, other people that we listen to or other programs that we hear or see that will help formulate that thought. So it's a, it's a good tug of war between receiving information and trusting your gut. But I think if you work on it enough, we're able to fine tune that and really kind of go with it from there. So um, before I get into it, Al, uh, Tori, Tori, uh, Tori, who is the other whistleblower in this documentary, a lot of consternation with this woman. A lot of people don't like her. A lot of people poop all over her. A lot of people don't trust her. And a lot of it comes from the fact that she worked for John Owen Brennan. And we all know he is the corruptest hell, treasonous uh, former CIA director, right? She worked for him. She was handpicked by him. And now she's blowing the whistle on everything that he did, um, as well as uh, people like General Jim Jones, who is a rogue, uh, retired four-star general, who is probably one of those um, people who actually created 
everything that we're seeing today. Like if you're if you want to figure out who mapped out the downfall of the Trump presidency or who was working against them, General Jim Jones is probably one of those at the top of that list. Am I saying he's the head? No, but he's definitely at the top of that list. Or, you know, screw it, not even against Trump, just against America, just against the Constitution, just against the things that we are fighting for. That is that man. You know, so I kind of like, kind of leery of people who would have worked for them. Um, but like I said, in the case of Tory says, and I say Tory says because let, let me go ahead and go into this as well. Tory, who is also uh, one of the whistleblowers in this film, um, she also has her own show. Now, I'm not promoting it because I know that's we, we're not allowed to do that here, but I am going to give you the information. OK, so uh, let me go ahead and pull this up on the screen. Now, I've referenced some of her work before Tori says. So Tori is basically an independent uh, investigative journalist uh, slash radio show that comes on. So Tori says you'll see Tori in the Shadowgate film. Tori has been on the air doing um live radio shows probably since about the end of 2018 or so uh and she's done them every day she used to be on uh, i think it was red 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 patriot media or something like that i'm not too familiar with it guys because I, I get in my own little like echo bubbles but like right now she's doing an expose on hunter biden no one's really talking about this stuff i don't know how she gets this information but she does like this one exclusive hunter wined and dined with cartels and chihuahua uh the biden abuse of office navy nepotism and narcotics um i actually showed you guys this one um where they did an open letter to tucker carlson regarding his friendship with hunter biden and apparently they were very close uh so they are breaking some news and and so now i'll just say this about that um when it when it comes to to like when i say things like i trust my sources obviously i don't have anyone on the inside i don't i don't know anyone in washington dc i don't know anyone that has that insider knowledge when i say things like i trust my sources i mean i trust the information that i get from certain sources um and, and the same thing as it was with Alex Jones, because uh, Alex Jones was a big factor in the genesis of, you know, um, how I present my work, uh, kind of the, the work that I do today. Um, but at a point, you know, I started getting that gitchy feeling, that, that spidey sense was tingling with Alex Jones. I'm like, something's not right here. Something is amiss, you know. So and it's to me, the proof is in the pudding. You know, just like with Patrick Byrne, who is the billionaire, former CEO of Overstock.com that some people don't trust. Uh, I don't know where they get the stories from, like he was keeping Trump from people. And I don't know where that comes from. But Patrick Byrne, the American Project, General Flynn told you guys about that today at the Patriot Roundup. He said there are other not there are other there are other organizations out there like the America Project. That is a Patrick Byrne Institute that actually General Flynn put him in charge of. And Patrick Byrne funds like he funded the Arizona audit that's going on right now. He, he funded it to the tune of five million dollars, guys. So that is a patriot, again, that people don't don't trust for some reason. But yet this man is standing side by side with General Flynn and Sidney Powell. And everyone seems to trust those two people, but they don't trust Patrick Byrne. So I don't understand that guys and i don't know where that dialogue is originating but it's out there and again that's what i'm saying right now with the resources that we have right now we have to unify we have to come together we have to we have to embrace each other and so that's kind of just a little soapbox that i'm getting on right now 
Let me turn to the chat real quick before we get into Shadowgate, and then um, we'll go ahead and get the film rolling. And let me go ahead and <laughs> let me go ahead and uh, we'll put that on the screen. That's the America Project, guys. Okay, so let's see what's going on. Hello, everybody in chat. Welcome for joining us. I appreciate it very much. I hope you guys are uh, absolutely excited for tonight's show. I know I am. We got Carrie Lake in the house, um, and yes, uh, Joan of Joan of Sark. Welcome, Joan of Sark. D Patriot seventeen seventy six. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. We got uh, Roy Stones and Bones Patriot Joker, um, Anon nine five nine four seven one, and uh, Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake. I see you guys chatting over there. Um, okay, so cool. Awesome. We got some more Anons coming in. Oh, wait, this is the same one. The answer to that, Mr. C, is easy. They're all lying to save face. I told you this months ago. I don't know. Who's lying to save face? Anon uh, Anon 9594711. Uh, we'll catch up with that in a minute. Don S, it was a B post. Oh, okay. I, I mean, actually, I don't know. We're talking about, I think they're talking about the Q post now. Alex is a shill, in my opinion. I Yeah, well, it's kind of looking like that. Um, I don't know, Anon. A lot of people, a lot of people use that term "shill" in this uh, in this arena. I've found, um, but you know, it's like it's like in regards to Shadowgate. Um, I would say any. I mean, here's the thing. I didn't even guys. I didn't even tell you guys about this whole. Like I was saying, it's the most banned documentary. Now, here's the thing that triggered me. I use the word trigger, right? Ooh, but it what really tipped me off about this thing is I had I didn't know who Tori was. I didn't know who Patrick Bergie was. I only knew who Millennial Millie was. Millie Weaver, right? I respect that woman and her work. I think she has a, a lot of integrity, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't know who they were until I saw Shadowgate, right? So when people started turning on Millie and everyone in that film. I was like, okay, I get it, but why are they not talking about the content of the film? So I would challenge any content creator out there who disregarded this film because of the sources, the whistleblowers, the shadowy people, I would challenge them to show us a broadcast that they did where they actually addressed the content of this film. Because you had Alex Jones saying things like, um, well, we can't do this because they basically said Roger Stone is the kingpin behind all of this internet interactive activity and that Roger Stone was the one who's trying to take down Donald Trump's campaign. And they're saying that Roger Stone was the one, was the one, was the one. And that was kind of the platform that he used whenever he first talked about it. And those those uh, words that he said, I have not been able to find. And a lot of it's kind of gone now. Um, um, then we also had uh, come to find out he hadn't even seen the film. He had not even seen the film. And as you will see when we're watching Shadowgate, that that's not what they said. They never said that at all in this film. They just said that basically he was involved with uh, Manafort, who they were involved with this type of technology, never specified how it was used, never specified to what extent they were using it, just that their name is in that circle. 
And it happens, guys. Like, it happens. Like, uh, I mean, it's a small connected interweb out there. These things, you will get mixed up into stuff like this, especially, I'm sure, in Washington politics. But then you also had people like Gavin McGinnis, who outright, I mean, the whole Patriot independent media outright shunned Millie Weaver and banned this documentary. And then on the air, Gavin McGinnis says, oh, well, yeah, we're going to have to go back and watch that film because, um, because you know, like they said that Roger Stone did this, but we haven't even seen it. But at that point, the shots had already been fired. The wrap-up smear campaign had already begun. And uh, this, this film was basically not seen by patriots in the know. Um, I know some people have seen it. That, I mean, obviously, some patriots have seen it. I mean, it was, this film was seen by millions of people worldwide. But when they went to banning it, they started to censor it first internationally because the content of this documentary is damning. Okay. And it's, it's all on point. I mean, it, it nothing about it really set off my spidey sense to say no. And then of course you go, if you have, if you do your due diligence and your research, you go back into it and you look at what they're talking about and it checked out for me. So that's why I did not lose faith in those who created this film. And in regards to Tori says, that woman, all of the information she's presented has checked out, like from, and, and I didn't find out about her until about August or September of 2020. She's been on the air since 2018, you know, and uh, it's, it's checked out, you know, like uh, at first it took me a minute to kind of get used to the way she delivered her message, but the fine print stuff, the technical stuff, um, um, that stuff is checked out like it's checked out y'all like and and if i whenever i was setting up my discord with the canadian patriot he asked me uh he asked me who my who i listened to uh and i was like well i mean dave from x22 i didn't really understand the question Uh, i i think what he might have meant then is that um uh where do i get my where do i get my what's my source for the tough stuff i talk about on the air and i was like i don't know well like i, I listen to, to x22 um I, I tune into tori says sometimes and and since i started doing the c reports i don't have time to listen to them because i have to read all these articles it's basically my own analysis right but um but but some of the stories like the hunter the hunter biden and the uh the the tucker carlson one like that would have been a source right there um i i I know how she says she gets her sources because as you'll see in the film she was very much embedded in the shadow government and that's another thing that i appreciate about this film is that we always hear about a shadow government but this actually breaks down for us about how they actually work and and most of them are contractors and you know shell companies that come and go but that's how they do it and and it will explain that in the film so we'll probably get into that but as i was saying just about that uh, just to wrap up that whole idea uh what tori says is that um as as a she's not really even a content producer she's just a, a podcast host you know uh, her stuff is always checked out for me so i don't mind saying that on the air you know i don't think that that is anything that is too too bad of a word but uh, and on uh, 959471 says, shill is an echo chamber word. No one outside the echo chamber will ever even know. In normal society, you'll just look silly. I mean, that's, uh, it is what it is. You know, I mean, it's not like I go up to Joe Blow on the street and say, shill, you're a shill. Like, obviously, guy, I'm talking to the initiated people here. And you clearly are one of those people. So anyways, okay, that's all good and dandy. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the flim. And uh, we'll go ahead and get that roll in for you. 
All right. Okay, guys, without further ado, uh, I might pause on some points. And again, if any of y'all have questions um, or any of y'all have any thoughts you'd like to share, I'll be watching chat and uh, I'll be watching along with you guys as well. All right, here we go. What if I were to tell you that a small group of government contractors were hired by government officials to frame the Trump campaign, set him up for the Russia collusion investigation, provided witnesses for the impeachment hearings, and provided administrative support services to the Department of Justice during the Mueller investigation? And what if it just so happened that this same group of contractors are behind the fake news in mainstream media, influence operations on social media, and the civil unrest nationwide pushing the defund the police movement? The Obamagate scandal only scratches the surface. We mentioned shock value that the shocking what the Russians did. I agree. We need to stop it. I know that now based on the horrible truth. I'm not saying that you lied to the court. I'm saying you signed something that was a lie and you didn't know it. Talk about a cover story. What really happened is much more alarming. Both parties are equally guilty of covering up what should turn out to be an even bigger scandal, Shadowgate. The tactical and operational role the shadow government played behind the scenes, carrying out the coup against President Trump. We're going to be looking behind the puppets at who the real puppet master string pullers are. The material presented in this documentary should concern people of all political affiliations. This is about real players, people whose names never come up, but should. Career politicians are definitely part of the Beltway Swamp, even aspects of the deep state, but they are not the shadow government. The shadow government consists of government contractors, defense, intelligence, security, and so on. Our government mostly consists of front-facing desk jockeys that are compartmentalized in cubicles. They're to cover up for the fact that most of the real work is outsourced to contractors, aka the military-industrial complex. That way, what the public sees through FOIA requests, investigations, congressional hearings, or otherwise, is as clean as a whistle. All the dirty work is kept private with contractors in clandestine networks. These contractors have used their connections, power, and influence to create an unprecedented international criminal enterprise where blackmail is traded and people's personal data is gold. Two whistleblowers, Tory and Patrick Berge, who both worked extensively within the shadow government as contractors, have come forward with revelations that may be part of the biggest whistleblowing event to date. I am one of thousands, faceless, 
patriotic Americans that worked within the shadows and had been doing that for a very long time. People that worked for John Brennan approached me while I was in my specialist training while I was in the Navy. When I was recruited, it was for electronic warfare. Then I ended up in information warfare. And ironically, the base that I first went to for electronic warfare is now information warfare. My job for a company called Dynology was owned by Obama's National Security Advisor, General James Jones, and I answered directly to his son. I worked for them for about eight years, from like 2007 to 2010. My focus was primarily in the development on a couple different contracts for the Department of Defense for the development of the capabilities for interactive internet activities, being something that helps support CNO, uh, which is computer network operations, hacking and different things like that, and information operations, which would be your actual influence operations, right? It's a supporting application that really, it's kind of like a Microsoft project, right? Which allows you to manage uh, large projects, like enterprise level projects. But instead of like managing the, the building of a, the, the construction of a 14 story building, it's managing the most, you know, malevolent operations that you could imagine. I was a contractor for various intelligence agencies that were privately created. So they were private contracting agencies because um, unlike what most people think, our intelligence doesn't stay within our borders or within federal buildings. The ShatterNet was the commercial version of a, an, an IIA weapon, IIA being Interactive Internet Activities. That's the military nomenclature for what basically you've heard just being described for the last three or four years with all the fake news and um, the, uh, the, the fake news journalists and fake stories, fake dossier, all these things are attributes and characteristics of, of uh, IIA, which is social media psychological warfare. We began that really in um, 2007, uh, when right after the policy guidelines first came. We were on one of the first contracts with the DOD that I'm aware of, trying to help the Force Psychological Operations Group understand how to go from dropping flyers from planes uh, to a more micro-targeted social media psychological warfare application where you could select an individual uh, target or uh, a group target or an entire country if you wanted to. What I did was something called um, localization or L10N. So a localization strategy is you find a group of people that could be a whole country, a city, a certain religious group, uh, you know, six block radius like Chaz, <laughs> and you kind of try to get in their mind. You have to understand how they eat, how they walk, how they talk, what they like, what pushes their buttons, what drives them nuts, what upsets them, what makes them happy. And then you use that to your advantage to push whatever ideology or product or direction you want them to go marrying together cultural appropriation, language, nuances of the demographic that you were targeting or the nation you were targeting. 
it pries into your demographic, your world. So if I want to blackmail you and put you under my thumb, not only will I know everything, but I will know your deepest, darkest fears. I will know people I can get in contact to find out more about you. Maybe you had like an old hockey injury. So if I wanted to attack you, I'd know where to hit you. You understand enough about someone and you can hack their shadow, right? Uh, you can use, you can, you can use their fears. You can use their anxieties. Sound anything like pandemics that you recognize here. Oh yeah, definitely. So you can use those things to help uh, reflexively control or influence a target, an individual, whoever it is, right? Or a group of people or an entire election, an entire country. What Patrick Berge created was a program that was based off of the strategies that we used in person. Uh, it was a psychological operation, but that crunches data with the use of psychological operations. So you can predict how your target will respond. You know, I spent like seven years overseas, right? Several years, a couple of those years were specifically related to IIA. So I understood certain things. When we hijacked the Afghan elections, how did we do that? We had to understand how the Afghans think. We had to go to the areas that were anti-Taliban because the Taliban political group was now more militant than it was political. We used that to our advantage and formulated a plan where we would sway their thoughts to believe that XYZ candidate is the way to go because then you won't get robbed and we'll tame the Taliban. So it, but we had to do it in their way. So he created the algorithm that does that for you. When we were largely doing this, it was done by analysts. Now this is more done automated through artificial intelligence, which is just a common iteration of the program or application development process. The database component ends up allowing you to build behavioral profiles on individual targets, right? And through those behavioral profiles, you can develop or, or implement reflexive control, which allows you to understand with enough information about someone, you can predictably determine how they're going to react. I was really good at what I did. Really good. And I can still do it too. I'm not doing it now though. <laughs> well, don't be doing that. Sorry. I wouldn't know if I was. So. But um, I help them train algorithms with the strategies that I had created all these years. They had uh, asked us to bring the application to a classified network. But Jim sent them a bogus, just a, a made up ridiculous bid to actually do that because if it went on a classified network, we couldn't turn around and sell it commercially. We went on after that to another contract uh, in Tampa, took everything with us. Four psychological operations group had no idea that we were going to be taking their years worth of work that they paid us to do, the taxpayers paid us to do, and we kept the intellectual property rights to it and um, uh, remarketed it, branded it commercially as a shadow. So I come back here and I see these guys back here in America have just been having a field day utilizing the technology that we've been developing to alter the outcomes of our elections in America. This technology was so successful, they couldn't resist the temptation to not use it commercially and have the power to affect outcomes of elections at home. The commercial and black market value of such a technology 
is incalculable. This is the mobile mega Saturnet mobile. My laptop sits in here, and then I got uh, two 4K capture cards. I can do BTC, and this charges all the camera equipment. So while I'm riding, I'm told I'm getting as much as 40 amps. These are the same pieces that we used to build out our uh, uh, skips, our SC2IPs, which is a small command and control over IP. And when I was working with JCSE, we would uh, take these cases and build out networks. This is a small command and control over IP. It's just only running on one unclassified network, SIM-enabled Wi-Fi router. And if I get decent cell connection, then I can run the multiple cameras, and uh, I can put multiple images in one screen, and I can run all that from my cell phone that I have mounted here. The group of whistleblowers from the NSA and other classified data collection agencies, referred to as the global surveillance whistleblowers, were used as a vector to legalize what was then illegal dragnet spying on everyone 24-7. The NSA and its former head, General Hayden, declined to comment for this story. The FISA Amendment Act of 2008 had Section 702 that permitted the government to spy on citizens with a warrant from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. The NSA data system collects everything through what's called the upstream, where everything is stored for 72 hours, then dumped. However, if one could twin this stream of data, they could privatize it. Imagine what you could do with that. Tori alleges that she worked for John Brennan at the Analysis Corporation and Global Strategies Group. What is the Analysis Corporation? It is a company that does a lot of things, vary from administrative work to analyses to data collection, biometric collection. I mean, whatever contract they've been awarded by the government, they do. It can be something as simple as janitor duties. In case you miss the secretary's words upstairs, she reached out to Senator Obama uh, to say that she was sorry that this had happened, uh, that there were these unauthorized accesses to his passport file. In one incident this past summer where there was a trainee um, in the passport office who had an unauthorized access of Senator Clinton's passport file. Now, uh, in the case of Senator McCain, we detected... Uh, earlier this year, one of the same people uh, who accessed Senator Obama's passport file also accessed Senator McCain's passport file. Uh, this is the same individual who was disciplined, but at this point in time still remains working with the contractor. She claims to be the actual person who moved the electronic files at Stanley Inc., and CGI in 2008, which publicly was falsely alleged to be a hack. What can you tell us about the CGI Stanley Passport incident? See, Brennan has a certain MO, okay? When he wants to get something, he pretends there's a hack. So I was asked when I was stateside, hey, would you go by that office and pull all this data from the State Department? And I said, of course I will. I put it on two rugged drives, 
I mean, they're like the orange tips, really big, you know, <laughs> drives. And I put it on there. And then later, it's like, well, they were hacked. And I'm thinking, um, I didn't hack anything. I was told to do it. So I just kind of watched what was happening. One person actually what committed suicide or something. And the other two were found. I'm like, but there was no hack. And that that's a going theme. You know that, right? Wow. If it wasn't a hack, I'm presuming that means you took the information off of their servers and computers. Correct. So that information was then missing. Correct. What would be the point of that? What were they trying to hide? Well, if I removed it, that means someone else was there to replace it. Right? So I removed the factual, actual information, and then someone goes behind. That's like super switch. I didn't see that until retrospect, right, in retrospect, right? Because for me, going to copy a server off of a consulate, you know, computer, state department, wherever, would be normal. If we had a contract with them, they would tell me what terminal, I'd scan the barcode, make sure that I was at the right computer, and do my job. So I removed data, that means someone else replaced it. So what is the relationship between Global Strategies Group, Analysis Corporation, and Canadian Global Information? They all do the same thing. They're the jacks of all trade, except for the fact that Global Strategies Group was actually a hub for all information, in and out, in and out. I mean, all of the directors there were former GCHQ, CIA, NSA, you know, MI6, MI5, German intelligence. You have to wonder, why are all these former heads heading up consulting firm? And what were they consulting? And they weren't consulting. They were collecting everybody's data and privatizing it. John Brennan, working within his network of contracting companies, such as Stanley, Canadian Global Information, and the Analysis Corporation, help then-Senator Barack Obama get elected using Internet Influence Operations. March 5th, 2013, Brennan gets confirmed as CIA director, dodging controversy over his involvement in the CIA-enhanced interrogation scandal. Now tell us about these data bridges to the NSA. Is that legally obtained information? I mean... That's kind of what Snowden did, too. According to sources closely connected to this subject, under John Brennan's direction, Snowden created a data bridge from the NSA database into private servers controlled by private intelligence and cybersecurity contractors, a.k.a. the Analysis Corporation, Global Strategies Group, and Canadian Global Information. The twinning of streams is duplicating the information in the upstream. That's, that's crazy to think that another company is copying all emails, texts, phone calls, messages, emojis, Instagrams, tweets, anything you can imagine that's being uploaded that has to go into like the 72-hour holding is suddenly being pushed offshore. That sounds kind of illegal because it is. June 5th, 2013, Edward Snowden goes public with the NSA program, PRISM, revealing the NSA collects internet traffic 
of all U.S. citizens from major internet and telecom companies through the FISA 702 program. Snowden's actions kicked off on the federal level justification for spying on U.S. citizens, including the Senate and Congress, in the name of preventing U.S. citizens with classified or top secret clearances from being able to repeat Snowden's actions. This opened the door for the creation of ClearForce. July 4th, 2013, CGI and GCHQ launch a defense protection partnership, which includes sharing threat intelligence. So these were all private corporations that even had foreigners working in them, and they had access to NSA servers? Of course they did. I mean, how do you think we found through facial recognition of the FBI, the Belgium bomber, why would we have their facial recognition data? So is this legal, what you're telling me, and why would they do it? Why would they set this up this way? So sharing our information and our private identifying information, facial recognition, biometrics, outside of the United States for official purposes, like at a consulate, at an embassy, you know, uh, through Secret Service or anything like that is legal, right? Or through Interpol. But to have a company that houses everybody's data and any private person can buy that data or investigate that data or analyze that data, that's not. And that's exactly what GSG was doing. Early 2009, John Brennan left government and went to work for a small intelligence contractor here in the Virginia area, suburban Virginia area, just outside of Washington. The company was called the Analysis Corporation. There are subsidiaries of subsidiaries. Some of these companies are spun out, go public, go private again. Uh, it's kind of hard to keep track of them. In just four months, GSG, CGI, and other private contractors allegedly had unauthorized access to the entire Five Eyes network unfiltered, unrestricted, decompartmentalized, outside any government regulation or oversight. Not surprising, the CIA gets caught one year later spying on the U.S. Senate. Their excuse? It was their own network they had set up for the Senate to use. So they had authorization. Would you agree that the CIA's 2014 search of Senate files was improper. This is the annual threat assessment, is it not? Yes. These were CIA computers at a CIA-leased facility. It was a CIA network that was shared between Senate staffers conducting that investigation for your report, as well as CIA personnel. The reality is those computers in effect belonged to the CIA, but they were reserved exclusively for the committee's use. We accelerated our ability, our, for want of a better word, invasiveness in, into communications networks in which legitimate targets coexisted with legitimately protected communications. Obama takes office and General Jones being sworn in as National Security Advisor. His son, General Jones' son, copyrights CKMS, Congressional Knowledge Management System. Within a couple months after he leaves office in 2010, Dynology gets a contract for CKMS, the Congressional Knowledge Management System, which basically controls 
uh, all of the scheduling, the addresses, the documents, everything for the Congress. CKMS is going to give you access to unlimited information. Think about the information you can get from that. If we look on USSpending.gov, we see Dynology was awarded contracts for the Congressional Knowledge Management System. However, one contract stands out, where Dynology was awarded a contract by the Department of Defense that includes a mention of the Congressional Knowledge Management System. A closer look shows that the award description is for CKMS hosting, labor, admin, for data. The primary place of performance is Germany, and the North American industry classification description is data processing, hosting, and related services. Even one section stating, manufacturing outside the United States, used outside the United States. Let it sink in that these official documents suggest the Congressional Knowledge Management System outsourced to a private contractor is hosted, managed, and stored in servers in Germany. This is very disturbing. With the Senate's computer network compromised by John Brennan's CIA and the Congressional Knowledge Management System being hosted, managed, and stored overseas by General Jones's company, the ability for these contractors to eavesdrop on both the House and the Senate is staggering. When I brought this up back in 2018, shortly after that, Dynology lost the contract that they had had since 2011-2012 with CKMS, and that contract went to another company, a company that exists as nothing more than a website and a mail drop a mile or so from Dynology's Tampa office, controlling the entire Congressional's knowledge management and if you look at the contracting database they'll say that oh they have an american an american entity and it's like but it's the same ceos for this canadian company i'm so confused so they even falsify information uh so they can obfuscate who where our federal tax dollars are going and don't forget they all share contracts they all subcontract co-contract Sci group has the exact same product as dynology the Shatterman and I saw it, right? Yet the owner of Dynology sits on the board of directors of Cy Group, which in my opinion is kind of like the owner of Coke sitting on the board of directors of Pepsi. TAC, CGI, and all these LLCs that just keep cycling and cycling and all of them. The social security numbers of 19.7 million Americans subjected to federal background checks as a condition of employment are now in the hands of hackers. In June 2015, the Office of Personnel Management announced a major data breach. Tell us about the OPM hack. Okay, so that's another Brennan job. Another hack, supposed hack. And this is to obtain, delete, and obfuscate information. Hillary Clinton was up for the chopping block about her emails right at the State Department. And that was coming up. Uh, that was big talk of the town in 2014. Suddenly, the Office of Personnel Management was hacked in December. Down the line, five months later, Hillary Clinton appears in court. And they tell her, hey, you're going to hand over your emails. 
a couple days after that, the now-fired, corrupt, leaking former IG of the State Department, Linick, had requested from our elected officials to give him a big fat budget to create his own personal IG of the State Department server. How convenient. Very convenient. While we have no evidence that our data has been compromised, the fact that the contents of our network may be accessed by large numbers of department administrators puts us at unnecessary risk. The IT folks in the department have the keys to our IT system. So they really have access, unfettered access, to the system if they wanted to. They could read, modify, delete. They could read, modify, delete. I would like to be completely separate from the department um, to ensure the integrity of our system, but I also need the department uh, to give us uh, access to the same systems that we have now. Give us uh, access. And he was responsible in releasing her emails that he gave in little, little doses, of course, over time. But at the same time, huh, the press came out with a report. Oh, dear. Months ago, there was a leak. Do you have evidence that the State Department's network has been attacked? And does that affect you guys? Uh, there, there, and there has been, there's, there's evidence that has been attacked and it has affected us. I can't really go into details uh, because of the nature of the information. For people that don't know, the Office of Personnel Management usually has information on every single American uh, that has applied for any type of clearance. So if you applied for like a White House press pass or join the military or an admin job that could require something like a public Charlie clearance, anything. All your information is there. What could they do with all that information? Right. They started slowly creating these memorandums of understandings with your secretaries of states and attorney generals secretly behind your back, providing facial recognition data, private identifying data, data, data. This was the most incredible data because if you want to control someone, all you need to do is put that information through a couple of systems and you'll know exactly what buttons you need to push, and how to make them nod their head the way you want them to or shake it. Millions of Americans have received letters like this, notifying them their data are at risk and referring them to a government-contracted credit monitoring agency. Does this correlate with predictive programming? Yes. The merging of John Brennan's tactical intelligence and General Jones's operational capabilities gave birth to ClearForce. ISI was the relational database component of it. That's what we named it. I named it, actually. And uh, What did you name it ISI for? I like the iPhone, SI uh, for psychological warfare. Okay. You have the component where you need to be able to collect all this information, and then you need to be able to collaborate this information with a team of an unspecified amount of analysts and or other legal people that will be looking at stuff. And you need to be able to provide the leadership of a tactical operation. You need to be able to provide them what's called a COPS, a common operational picture, right? So this provides people at the top common operational picture of all the different assets. Assets can be journalists. It could be an entire news organization. It could be a podcast. It could be just a, a, an individual YouTube influencer. It could be anybody like that. And you would either build them from scratch or contract them out, just bring them on line. According to Berge, the 2012 changes to the Smith-Munt Modernization Act of 2012 
opened the floodgates for domestic IIA, social media influence operations. Do you think that some of these smart devices were created in order to gain uh, access to the public by the military industrial complex? I know that the iPhone really was released uh, within this, if not the same month of the IIA policy letter. I know uh, for a fact, and you can easily look it up, that the Smith-Munt Act, uh, Modernization Act, was modified to allow for the influence, uh, dissemination of propaganda to Americans, which had previously been restricted or prevented by the Smith-Munt Act in the late 40s when it was put in place. When they modernized that, they took away those protections allowing it to adapt for social media. And then within a, a few months or just a very short period of time, they came out with the Obama phone. Everybody in Cleveland, no minority got Obama phone. Keep Obama in president, you know? He what? gave us a phone. Free cell phones to low-income families. TrackPhone has just started a program here in the volunteer state called SafeLink Wireless. More than 800,000 families here in Tennessee qualify for these phones. The company says this program is about providing a safe link for families, no matter what their level of income is. Very short time after that, they added free unlimited data plans to them. He also suggested that the contiguous release of the Obama phone with an unlimited data plan played a significant role in fostering the Ferguson riots using IAA. So why do you think they were targeting them for collection? Well, think of what you could do, right? Um, Think of how easily you could start a riot in Cleveland if you had the um, data. Oh, my goodness. So you could gather that information and know how to psychologically target them to get them upset? Or, you know, do you think that they were pushing information to them, like tailoring their viewpoint on social media? I would. And when I, like I said, I, I, I didn't really actually finish this earlier, but I originally, um, in 2014, I recognized uh, Black Lives Matter uh, movement during the uh, Michael Brown riots as being influenced by IIA. A, a, a colleague of mine in South Korea did a trace route on it, trace routed the source of the what I believe to have been IIA to Ukraine. That's funny, right? Uh, so, because Ukraine just always keeps popping up. And whether or not it was actually the Shadownet itself, or it was a competitor like McChrystal, right? McChrystal, what they accused McChrystal of having is the exact same thing as what we built before him. Maybe it was a competitor. Who knows? It's becoming a, really a boutique market. Do you think that many of these social media companies like Twitter, Facebook, that they were created with IIA operations in mind, and it was never intended to be a free speech platform. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's your take on that? In our ShadowNet flyer, it has a screenshot of uh, South American um, uh, social network site that was uh, kind of like the predecessor for MySpace, owned by Google. And I believe the name was Urkut. 
and you can actually look on our flyer and see a screenshot from that, which looks mm -hmm. like an active engagement from South America. Now, if you look up what happened to Earthhood, what was really Google's first attempt pre-MySpace, you'll see that it was largely shut down and largely contributed to um, an overwhelming use of fake personas, right? What was one of the reasons that they attributed to MySpace shutting down last year? Rampant fake personas. At the same time, I'm developing these flyers for a company that doesn't have a sales staff. They only have a product. At the same time I'm doing that, our number one partner for a company that doesn't have a product that is only salespeople are working John McCain's campaign. Too risky. Doing micro-targeted social media for John McCain's campaign. I'm John McCain, and I approve this message. You were speaking on news pundits and how many of the news pundits are IA assets and intelligence assets. So mm -hmm. tell us more about that. Uh, Mika Brzezinski, her father is, the, you know, the father of influence operations and psychological warfare. Sure. A towering figure in American foreign policy, an extended member of the NBC News family as well. Zbigniew Brzezinski, Jimmy Carter's national security advisor. Jill Turner, Fox News host, was also vice president of Jones Group International doing an interview with her old boss and my old boss. Now, why would I assume that they would be using anything other than the Shatternet? Because the owner of the Shatternet has so many key assets, why would he need to go to anybody else, right? So they get their talking points from the analysts that are putting it together, but then they disseminate those talking points through non-attribution to their assets throughout these news organizations utilizing an application like the ShadowNet. Jillian Turner has a direct connection to Atlantic Council. General Jones was the chairman of the board of the Atlantic Council. JGI, Jones Group International, is an oil lobby. Atlantic Council and Brisma has a relationship. Brisma is an energy company. Obviously, they have these connections. This would explain why Fox News focuses mostly on the Biden-Ukraine scandal never mentioning Jones's connections, nor the Atlantic Council. Trump focusing on Ukraine isn't just about Biden. It's about Jones, Hayden, Brennan, McChrystal, the State Department, USAID, and corrupt inspector generals. With everything in place, and after being in control of the office of the presidency for decades, the military-industrial complex had confidence they could take Trump out as a candidate or even as president. Has IIA been used against President Trump? Absolutely, through the Russian dossier. Um, there are so many people, former colleagues of mine, uh, directly connected to the Shadowman. John McCain and Lindsey Graham, one of the last two people to have their hands on the Russian dossier before it was handed off to BuzzFeed as part of the dissemination process told the president it was not John McCain. I know because John McCain showed me the dossier. It was built, it was a product, it was used as a weapon as part of an influence operation. It was fake information put into it to help create chaos and to influence an election, bottom line, right? But those people that were directly involved with that were also directly involved with the shadow net. So 
you have knowledge of them using military grade psychological warfare weapons on the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. Done by the closest people around them too. As Trump's election unfolded and as all of the Russia collusion and all these things started happening and, and becoming exposed, revealed to me it was to keep from exposing the stuff they've been doing over here, which I believe includes the Maidan massacre in Ukraine. Where did the dossier come from? Nell York testified it came from Ukraine. Where's all the money laundering and crazy IIAs we see going on in Ukraine? So Manafort's being accused of social media influence operations in Ukraine in 2010. World courts charged him with that. Ukraine was the epicenter of everything, like everything. And that's because we had named that nation and made them deal to us. Barack Hussein Obama did it. You know, we deployed troops, National Guard, of course. And what states are the ones that work with Ukraine? It would be California and New York. So we deployed troops there because, you know, they weren't listening. It's like, why would you want to stay independent and hang out with the Russians when you can be with us, the Americans and the Europeans. <laughs> and they were really upset that they weren't willing to commit to receive debt from the EU and ignore Russia, which they had been attached to for eons. So we went in there and destroyed them. That's how Hunter Biden got his job. That's how we weaseled our way in there. We got a hold of corrupt people. We said, we'll help you out with your lawsuits. You get us in there. We wrote bills. We sent the money so we can help them conduct elections. <laughs> we did everything there. The Obama aid package in Ukraine, which corresponds with Joe Biden's billion-dollar loan guarantee scandal, is the same aid package where Seidel got a field office in Kiev to provide election training and election management for the Ukrainian Election Commission. Seidel is one of the most notorious outsourced companies for elections, with regular electronic voting machine problems who also tabulate our election results in cloud services in Europe, aka servers outside the United States. A whistleblower leaked to me in 2000. Now just keep in mind y'all, this information came out before the elections in 2020. They are talking to you all about Seidel and how they were taking all of our information over to Germany and then they were funneling it back into America and that's what was appearing on our TV screens. Had this film not been banned so harshly, we might have known who Seidel is. Because after all, in uh, I think it was in 2019, Millie Weaver did a report about how the Kentucky elections were rigged in the same way. Because we know the election rigging was done in a bunch of different ways, not just through vote flipping or through manipulation. Now, I know some of y'all saw on live television where the votes between Trump and Biden would suddenly reverse. Like it'd be like, you know, 459 or wait, let's, let's do a real little more 25,459 and then like 22,379. And then in the next, the next, uh, the next go round of rotations, they would flip and it'd be like 200 less for Trump and 200 more for Biden. And that happened throughout. Well, that happened in Kentucky. They reported on it in 2019 
they put it in this film in August of 2020. This film gets banned and then everything happens the way it happened during the 2020 presidential election. Just some food for thought. 2019, internal documents from Seidel that appeared to show meddling in the Kentucky election. Atlantic Council has been citing America's policies for decades now. And look at how, what a panic they were in when um, Trump made that phone call to Ukraine. They went into absolute panic mode. 75% of the people testifying were all directly connected to General Jones, McCain, and in Atlantic Council. The now IG of the NSA, literally with his wife, created the National Anti-Corruption Bureau in the Ukraine in 2009. They created it. Robert Storch is the deputy head of the U.S. Inspector General's office. I recognize how important this task is for Nauvoo and for the uh, effort to address corruption there in Ukraine. September 30th, 2016. Obama knows that within 30 days, if the NSA can't fix the overcollection problem by either dumping data or justifying having it, the FISA court will order the IG of the NSA to investigate. So what does Obama do? He writes an executive order that makes the IG of the NSA a presidential appointment rather than an appointment by the director of the NSA. November 30th, 2016, Obama nominates Robert Storch, who is working as deputy IG of the DOJ under Horowitz at the same time. I'm Rob Storch, and I'm honored to serve as the inspector general at the National Security Agency. During the transition period from the Obama administration into the Trump administration. Storch appears to never have actually been confirmed by the Trump administration. How did this guy get confirmed? Not one person asked, hey, have you ever worked for, four? I mean, a couple months before they even had the hearing to see if he's going to be confirmed or not. Nobody asked him, hey, did you by any chance get an offer from the president of Ukraine to work for them? It was all over the media, but not one person asked. You know who else helped them set it up? Bill Taylor and George Kent, those two clowns, also testified against the president. One of them has supersonic hearing. They could hear phones that are not on speakerphone from across the room. So <laughs> that's odd. According to Tory, the alleged impeachment whistleblower was actually a wiretap, hence supersonic hearing capabilities. Eric Ciaramella was a decoy to hide the fact that the president was being wiretapped through a 702 data over collection problem connected to the sunset clause. Collection problem that the NSA Inspector General Robert Storch oversaw. So the question is, what has been the Senate Intelligence Committee? All complacent, every single one of them. Because it's their job to be our voice and ask those questions. So, so I mean, I guess the, they're in on it. So I guess the question is, are they all just that inept? Or is there something else going on? Section 702 of the FISA Amendment Act of 2008 was created to stop illegal surveillance through data collection. It ends up being used as cover, providing the intelligence agencies front-facing legal access to unauthorized data, 
while turning a blind eye to private contractors having backdoor access to all data. I had access through the administrative side platform because I was one of the first on it um, to be able to see all communications between people like Adam Schiff, Brennan, Feinstein's staffers, and General Jones, and many more that I don't want to say because I haven't publicized that yet, actually, because there's foreign people. But I did see communications of uh, former GCHQ head Hannigan. Robert Hannigan was part of the company in GSG, right? So I gave most of this information to Millie Weaver, and she put out a report. And even though I had legal access to all their communications, because I had my username and password. The minute she did that report, within just, I believe, almost instantaneously, the website was taken down and my access was revoked. They changed it. Well, it wasn't revoked. They just uphauled the whole server. It was done. It was finished. They made it toast. I mean, that's what they do. But nothing ever really dies, really. Because the way they use their servers is by torrents. So all their information is hidden somewhere across the planet. Maybe we should look at some old articles that I put out on Hurricane Electric to find those servers and those little bits and seed them correctly. So, I mean, you'd be able to seed it with something like a keystone. 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 I want to ask you about John Brennan and the blackmail. Hmm. So... Who all did he have blackmail collected on? Any politicians? You mean that I've seen? Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. Yes. And politicians? Yes. So would you say there's any uh, side more Democrats or more Republican, or is it kind of even? Very even, Stephen. Okay, so once this blackmail was collected on politicians, what did they do with it? Even Pelosi doesn't know that what they have on there. Neither does Blumenthal. Nobody. I can keep going down. But do they know that these people have blackmail on them? Only if they butted heads. Okay. So we saw a butting of heads between Murkowski, was it, and um, Feinstein. Right? That's a butting of heads. That's where it's like, hey, we got this. You know where she put her up against the wall? Happens all the time. Now you know how our government has been compromised. 24-7 surveillance mixed with blackmail. What's the significance of Cambridge Analytica being attached to Trump's campaign? Everything that I saw with uh, the description of like how the Cambridge Analytica functioned, what they did, their app, the computer applications, everything that I saw with that, uh, I would describe as, a, you know, just a, a, a later iteration of the shadow. Was Cambridge Analytica, to your knowledge, an IIA operation? Yes, it was. And I believe that it was so blatant because it was piloted at the same time that the RNC and the DNC were hacked. It was all formulated correctly. I've said to you, it's all coming out. And 
I didn't conspire to leak Hillary's emails, and I have nothing <laughs> to do with Russia. So, yes. the fact is, <clears throat> it looks like I did both. Does it look like you did both? If I wasn't me, I would say yes, that's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I was part of the team running Obama's Facebook. We invented the way social media is used to communicate with voters. This is how they were going to do it. You know, they were supposed to go in. They were supposed to sway him because they were supposed to give up the goods to match the Russia hack. Why would they be running an IA operation that would be helping Trump win? Because that doesn't make sense when we know that General Jones is a Democrat and many of these people don't like Trump. So what gives? Well, because then we just make it look like Russia was running the King's analytical program, too. And it admits to it right here. I am headed to Washington, D.C. for my testimony for the Mueller investigation. I definitely didn't think that while we're sitting there counting votes that some of those votes were made by people who had seen fake news stories paid for by Russia on their Facebook page. So not only did they hack the DNC and the RNC, but nobody talks about that, right? Because we're only supposed to focus that Russia was hacking just the DNC, not the RNC. We keep forgetting about that. Because it was just information Brennan was gaining. They wanted to get access to servers. That's the way it goes. Anyway, Cambridge Analytica at the same time would be supposedly helping President Trump and the Russia collusion hoax would have stuck better because behind all those LLCs and the glitz and glamour, they would have had some statue of Vladimir Putin in a tutu waiting for you. Yeah, I worked at Cambridge Analytica while they had basic data sets. Went to Russia one time while I worked for Cambridge. I visited Julian Assange while I worked for Cambridge pitched the Trump campaign and wrote the first contract. I have an email from one of our senior data scientists that said that we were actually using Facebook-like data in our modeling. The methodology was considered a weapon, um, weapons-grade communications tactics. Well done, Britt. Looked quite tough, and you did okay with a winky face, little emoji. When we found out that Cambridge Analytica reached out to WikiLeaks and said, hey, can we help? What that means is we've got a Russian intelligence operation underway to illegally influence the U.S. election in Trump's favor. And we've got the data firm paid by the Trump campaign offering operational help to that effort. Are there any ties between Mr. Trump, you or your campaign, and Putin and his regime? No, there are not. It's absurd. Uh, and, you know, there's no base to it. Cambridge Analytica was used to create the appearance that Russia conducted influence operations to help Trump win the 2016 election. Stone, Manafort, Davis, McCain, Jones, all of these people have been doing this for, to my knowledge, a decade of my personal fact witness knowledge. They've been doing this for a decade prior to Trump even running for office. I met with Roger Stone at his table at a speaking engagement that he did in Clearwater, Florida. And I asked Roger Stone at that time, are you, you know, did you work with, uh, do you know Jim Jones? Did you work with Dynology? And he acknowledged 
his relationship and his, yeah, sure. I did ask, I, I asked him flat out. I said, did, did you use the shadow net? He's, did you know about it? He's like, no. Stone leaving the Trump campaign early on suggests candidate Trump didn't want his campaign tied to Stone's influence operations. Stone does have a reputation for political dirty tricks and influence operations. I revel in your hatred because if I weren't effective, you wouldn't hate me. Manafort and Roger Stone go way back, like from the 80s. You know, like, come on. These people have been through everything together. And, you know, this is why they targeted them. And this is why they went on Manafort for things that were, like, ancient. It's like, man, no, not even a statute of limitation, not anything. Come on, man, seriously? Nope. Psy Group and Wikistrat's absolutely connected to the Shadow Net through the owners of the Shadow Net, through the fact that the Psy Group, through... Paul Manafort submitted a proposal to Trump's campaign. Now, Trump's campaign rejected the proposal. I love that man, right? That's why I keep voting for him. Because even when he's given the opportunity to do that, he rejected it. The Trump campaign must have known the Dems would try to use anything against them. Trump must have sensed that the offer for influence operations was a honey trap to set him up. Well, do you think that the reason they attached Manafort to Trump's campaign, because that was kind of later, right? Mm -hmm. Attached him onto there. Do you think it's because they were trying to frame up Trump? Yes, because they failed with their IAA attempt. Yeah, I definitely would say that Manafort was an asset. Whether or not he fully understood what his role was, you know, he might, they might have lied to him about what his true, what their true intentions were. I believe they fully intended to throw him under the bus because two things had to happen. They could not let Hillary win and they could not let Trump keep his seat. Right? So they were trying to kill two birds with one stone using Manafort to make sure that Hillary doesn't win through IIA, through Wikistrat, through his connections there. And then those same people turning around throwing him under the bus by somebody who had previously worked with Manafort and understood what he had been doing and what he was doing and used that to exploit him as a way to hurt Trump. Since their whole attempt to have him employ a company to help him win and use these psychological operations that the left was using, I mean, they're doing it, we should do it, and he didn't. And that's in the Mueller report. That's in the New York Times. There are several instances where he's rejected the opportunity to take advantage of influence, of, of influence operations, be it IIA supported or just your standard run-of-the-mill influence operations, right? They've rejected that. And the thing is, people like Roger Stone aren't saints, but they're not demons either. They skirt the outs and they're great at what they do. And, you know, you either love him or not. It's like brie cheese. But the one thing that you can be sure of is that he sticks to his principles. And if he's your friend, especially if he's been your friend for 40 years, like it was with President Trump, there's no way he's going to flip on you to save his butt ever. Because that's what honest people do.
Yeah, he seems to know how the games in the swamp are played. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he knows how they operate. He was actually framed by people that he worked with. I mean, that software was created, you know, by his friend that created the Magic Wheel software. It, like, implemented ShadowNet for the courts so they can, like, randomly have such specified, you know, out of millions of people that were in the pool, they were all, like, intelligence contractors and never Trumpers. Come on. So why wouldn't they just focus their efforts on running IIA operations to get Hillary in office? Oh, they did. Are you kidding? They deployed everything from uh, censoring, shadow banning, to dismissals, to full-blown mockingbirds. I mean, that's where we saw the real face of the press. That is exactly where we saw it. Um, you know, I want all of you to know that that's true not only for the campaign, but if I am fortunate enough to be your president, I want you to know and I want you to tell anybody you know, any friends or colleagues at school or work or your neighborhood, whether you vote for me or vote against me. The polls. 98% chance Hillary Clinton wins. Like, what? Yeah. I mean, what? Those were bogus. Uh, everything. That was an IIA. That was hijacked a reality to think she's already won, so obviously she's the best. All the superstars coming out, how she's amazing, all these concerts, and all to divert you away from the fact that she couldn't walk, talk, climb stairs, say a word without checking out. Hillary Clinton is on stage right now as we speak, and she is coughing nonstop. Did she, like, chuck up a lung or something that one time? Yeah. That was super weird. There is a, a, a definitely some context that needs to be understood in the relationship between General Jones, Obama, and Hillary Clinton. General Jones was originally offered by Obama the position of um, Secretary of State. He accepted his fam talked to his family, he accepted. And then two days later, without even telling him, which was kind of a jerk move to do, um, Obama turned around and tapped Hillary Clinton. And I know that Jones, Jim Jones, told me that his dad was really offended by that. And then he was offered and accepted the role, the position of national security advisor, but actually considered turning it down because he was so offended by what it was so upset by what had happened. What would be the point of, like, making Hillary out of the equation to then get Trump in to then want to just impeach him? Well, because he wasn't their choice. These people hate Trump. He's a jackass. So we're talking about at the time, you know, John that would just McCain, make Pence in charge. Well, which Pence? Do <laughs> you think John McCain would have rather had Pence in charge? You think Lindsey Graham would rather have Pence? Lindsey Graham was so frustrated with Trump, Trump, he took his phone and smashed it on YouTube because Trump gave out his phone number. Trump drove that man crazy. Trump got in the way of the big game, a contest between contractors and subcontractors over who gets first dibs on defense, security, and tech contracts. Mueller, since uh, I think it was like August of 2016, was well aware that I had in my possessions portions of the DNC mirrored server in February and March. Did you know that? No. And when my private life was collapsing the same exact day, not without a minute of separation, 
I was served by Barack Hussein Obama's attorney three years later to come and talk about it. Did you know that? Did not know that. They went as hard as they could. Stone, the same thing. They went with nothing. Like, look, Mueller called him in, right, for these emails and talking about WikiLeaks. When I had actual portions of the dance, like even Mueller knew I had it. Why did Mueller never call me back? When I went to him and told him about all this information, spoke to him for 15 minutes. Every one of these people are so corrupt. It's not even funny. The Swamp already knew in August of 2016 that the information was compromised by people. And they knew what type of people had access to that information. But they didn't know who. Some people will say, well, maybe they're investigating. And How can you investigate it if you don't ever call me back? And you don't ever really, because there's a lot of things that I need to be able to explain to them that I can't say outside of a classified environment. So they're not even, if they are investigating it, they certainly aren't doing it with all the information. Stop. 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 We all know it was a fix. Did the DOJ outsource the Mueller investigation to CGI? Well, yes, they did. So I'll tell you what happened. So I actually... Uh, for my listeners on air, I interviewed former attorney, acting attorney general, Whitaker. I want to ask you something. You were chief of staff for um, Jeff Sessions. So there's obviously contracts that are signed, like, you know, how you hire vendors. I wanted to know why during the Mueller probe, we spent over $40 million in waste management to a Canadian company that works with Canadian intelligence. Yeah. Sounds like paper shredding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, this is the thing we, we need watchdogs and something I did before I came to Washington DC was run a watchdog group that asks these types of questions and to make sure that, that like, you know, kind of, there's not, um, you know, waste, fraud, and abuse. So why is our department of justice outsourcing to Canadian intelligence companies access to the Mueller investigation? That definitely seems improper. Now, this Canadian company, how much were they paying? And were they paying them with tax dollars? We have to ask ourselves, why would we use federal tax dollars and upwards of $40 million, to have them do paper shredding for Mueller and administrative tasks and emptying garbage cans? That sounds like a leaking opportunity. That sounds like why are we getting foreign nationals involved in an investigation that we're supposedly investigating the president, the sitting president of the United States? From CGI's involvement in the passport fiasco in 2008 to CGI involved in the Mueller investigation, we see how contractors have the ability to both perform and clean up their own dirty work. I think it's about time people understand what happened. And I've made it no secret that I know what happened. So Seth Rich worked for the DNC. He was asked, just like I, he was asked, hey, why don't you go image the DNC server right there since you're there for us so we can keep it safe. And he did so. And he uploaded it where he was told. So he uploaded it where he was supposed to. And there were a lot of knees that saw it. Knees meaning group of friends that I have where we sit and talk string theory and predictive analytics on the undernet <laughs> so we find this and it's like whoa treasure trove copy and we fractioned it so that way we can download it because it was so massive 
And that's what happened. So I'll tell you what happened to Seth Rich. So he did his job as he was asked. At the same time, the RNC was also hacked. Again, Brennan MO, let's hack. And the hack was done on purpose. So you can delete information, insert information. And of course, with them putting Cambridge Analytica and sending them over to President Trump, which was a trap. Okay, that was a trap. Um, you clearly can see it. They hacked the RNC. You mean you had someone within the GOP do it for you because no one died there. And yes, some of those emails escaped because that is what was considered mitigation. You have to give them something really bad. And so when he saw that they had retroactively changed things, the stories and the rumors going in, seeing that Bernie Sanders' elections were being stolen, the DNC was all about Hillary, not about real elections, that it was all rigged, he came in contact with a guy named Sean Lucas. We did make contact with somebody from the Democratic National Committee's office, and they've been served. Democracy has prevailed today. So they decided. Oh, yeah, maybe we can get it out to someone else. And it was not to Julian Assange direct. And both of those guys are dead. In a bizarre twist of events on August 2nd, less than one month after serving the subpoena, Lucas was reported dead. Hillary's emails were still being examined. They had to get rid of the evidence. And the only way that they can access the whole DNC server is if there was a breach. And that's how you can go in and change things. This is why the FBI never asked for the server. That's the real story. So as Seth Rich thought that what he was doing was correct, later on he realized it was not. That's why there was such a big gap. They didn't need to find him. They needed to find out who had it. And they already knew that I myself had portions of the DNC server and others in March and February. Obama's lawyer for Seth Rich Three years later, says, you need to come and tell us about Seth Rich. I was like, I don't need to do anything. <laughs> I don't know who you're trying to, you're being subpoenaed. I can't bring you anything because you're three years too late. And for the record, usually they're going to be three minutes too late. You know, Hillary doesn't have a patent on hammers. <laughs> or city dumps. <laughs> or bleach bit. Or, or, or. Yeah. Didn't CrowdStrike initially investigate the DNC server creating the whole Russia hacked the election yeah. scenario. When the DNC uh, hired us back in May, we actually came in and deployed our technology called Falcon on all the systems inside the corporate network. Who were these people that were actually doing the hacking of the DNC? There were two groups, two independently working groups that we associate with Russian intelligence agencies. One of them was associated with GRU, the Met primary military intelligence agency in Russia. CrowdStrike, owned by that Alperovich guy who is a senior advisor on the Atlanta Council. When President Trump called up the Ukrainian president, what did he ask him for? The, the, the CrowdStrike servers, right? Again, all immediate direct colleagues, like the brown bag lunch at this big, you know, star chamber that <laughs> you could imagine existing there. I'm sorry, Mr. President. They're all there. Yeah. Just like, what can we do? Orange man, bad. What is just statistical odds of that six degrees of Kevin Bacon existing on virtually everybody connected to the Russian dossier and the impeachment? The only other person that directly connected to both of them is President Trump.
DC courts to make sure that they get the most compromised juries, you know, put together for anyone that they didn't want. When General Jones was uh, tapped as um, the chairman of the Board of Atlanta Council by to replace Huntsman, John Huntsman, one of the first orders of business that um, he did with the Atlanta Council was to create a partnership with Facebook, right? That happened a month after Mark Zuckerberg sat in front of Congress. Yes, I mean, they, they did not want their information to be sold to Cambridge Analytica by a developer. And, and that happened, and it happened on our watch. So even though we didn't do it, I think we have a responsibility to be able to prevent that and be able to take action sooner. So as a month after they do that, Facebook partners with General Jones at the Atlantic Council to restore election integrity worldwide, right? So the best out of 7 billion people on the planet, Mark Zuckerberg picks the owner of the shadow net. President Donald Trump and Mike Pence both ran ads on Facebook that uh, included a symbol of an upside down red triangle. Facebook today removed the ads. Facebook has taken action against what it calls harmful misinformation from President Trump. The company deleted a post by the president that included a false statement. To restore election integrity worldwide, we all know that he was connected, directly connected to Cambridge Analytica through Cygroup and Wikistrat. So essentially what they did was they partnered with Cambridge Analytica again. This also explains why Facebook went to Atlantic Council, AKA Jones, to fix the Cambridge Analytica problem. They needed to cover their IIA tracks. What you've seen with the recent riots surrounding mm -hmm. George Floyd's death, mm -hmm. From your perspective, does that look like an IAA operation? Absolutely. Nothing feels natural about what's going on. More stuff is fake and fabricated right now in the news than what's actually real. When I say fake, fake or fabricated, I, I mean like, okay, you have the truth and it's being represented to you with a very specific <laughs> slant. It's so far beyond, you know, a couple, you know, Russia making a couple, spending some money on some Facebook ads, right? If you believe that, then they've already won. So that's how it works. It's like the movie Wag the Dog, quite literally. Oh, you know, movies tell a lot of stories. And um, it's almost, it's almost as if they're making fun of us. They made fun of Alex Jones when he used to point out all these false flags. I mean, I guess that's just the term he was using. But if you actually look, what he was pointing out in a lot of instances was IIA operations. Jane, what more can you tell us about the Salomon Brothers building and its collapsing and its collapsing and its collapse? As you can see behind me, the uh, Trade Center appears to be still burning. We are getting information now that one of the other buildings, Building 7, in the World Trade Center complex is on fire and has either collapsed or is collapsing. Well, but he didn't know the term IAA, so it would be easier for people to understand someone's hacking your reality. Because now in this day and age of computing, that makes more sense to people. They understand it more. Oh, hack my reality. You mean change the way I see things. And that is exactly what an IIA is. 
It's just that it's software churning out, oh, you need to do this to get this outcome. Kind of like using that shadow net in the DC courts and saying, oh, prosecutor, you want him to go to jail and you want a guilty verdict? Uh, we're going to have to pool it out. And then when a pool of jury people come, all of them are potential to give you a guilty verdict. So then you pick from all the people that will give you a guilty verdict. <laughs> so there's no chance that you'll win. And even so Matt Whitaker said that on my, on my show. He said the judges are corrupt. That's a major problem for the justice system. If people are able to use that technology in jury selection to be able to predict who's going to, you know, throw their vote a certain way. Is anyone stopping them? That's a major problem right there. It is, and Roger Stone, with this commutation, will solve it, because this is where it all comes to the surface. How do you think your jury pool was selected? Well, obviously, I don't know. I do know that based on the statistics on the District of Columbia, the statistical improbability of my jury having a single Republican should be impossible. The statistical impossibility of my jury having a single military veteran should be impossible. The statistical possibility of my jury having no jurors with less than a college education is impossible. Uh, but that was the case. Well, what if I told you, Roger, that your jury was uh, actually selected, the jury pool, the grander jury pool, right, before the voir dire, as they say, where you kind of select and approve and deny, right? The, the majority of it was actually plugged into a program. But see, this program wanted to select a jury pool that would get you a guilty verdict no matter what. Hence, the odds, like you say, are so far-fetched. So the question is, who was the company, who was the vendor that was used to select your greater pool for the jury? And if your you know, lawyer was to able, to able to find that or ask that question, I would not be surprised if you see the name General Hayden hop up. I do think it might strengthen my uh, possibility of my appeal. It, should that become necessary. I will never plead guilty to something I didn't do. Uh, it's a matter that does require some research, and I appreciate you bringing it up. That's amazing. It's like Minority Report in real time today. Clear Force is kind of like what they built. It's it's the next iteration of the shadow net. They took the cycle, they, they took the, the profile uh, personas and profile capabilities. They added real-time criminal background, travel, financial, medical, added all these things in to create predictive behavioral profiles that determine whether or not you're likely to steal or leak. Clearforce actually sells this to HR, right? So you could actually go into a job, apply for it, and not get a job because an application with an algorithm designed by Obama's National Security Advisor and or Obama's CIA director determined that you were predictably likely to steal or leak in some minority report like fashion. And you may never ever steal or leak, but you might lose a job because something read all your posts and looked at your information and determined it. Think about it. If people knew just how bad it is, 
think about how many things he's changing and how much money they're taking. I mean, think of all the money they're going to lose in contracting. He's stopped the clearances. Remember, once you're out, now we pull your clearance. He did that, remember? So now all the future generals or all the future intelligence community persons don't get to use their clearance. If you're out, it's finished. You guys were paying me as taxpayers. We're paying me as the information insurance security officer to protect our national security. So y'all should want to get to the bottom of this as much as anybody, as much as I do. But it's very personal to me. I won't deny that. When you have your trying to usurp your president by penning in an anonymous letter to the New York Times, that's a big problem. This is the biggest and boldest move towards the ultimate surveillance state ever made, and it's near completion. Micromanaging this technology on a global scale would require integrating it with artificial intelligence. Imagine artificial intelligence autonomously operating the ShadowNet and ClearForce. Interpol's 2019 publication, Artificial Intelligence and Robotics for Law Enforcement, reveals we are already there. Quote, although films such as Minority Report and Robocop may not present the most attractive depiction of the future of advanced technologies in law enforcement, understanding how these technologies can be applied by law enforcement agencies for the safety and security of our global community is of critical importance. Short from a major PR rollout, there is an international push for autonomous law enforcement to remove the human factor. Several features of the Interpol program indicate that they are using an iteration of ShadowNet and ClearForce technology. This March 2017 United States patent issued to Jim Jones III and ClearForce spells it out. Quote, systems and methods for electronically monitoring to determine potential risk. Several diagrams in this patent look identical to the dashboard layout of the ShadowNet. The patent mentions integration with U.S. and international databases, local law enforcement, and individual state databases all fed into international justice and public safety networks. Full integration of all data, including the Internet of Things, is the objective. A March 2020 Atlantic Council policy primer, AI, Society, and Governance, references the 2019 Interpol publication stating, quote, the United Nations Interregional Crime and Justice Research Institute and the International Criminal Police Organization are leading the conversation on autonomous patrol robots, tracking and tracing systems, forecasting tools, predictive policing, and more. The next iteration of the ShadowNet and ClearForce is ready to go. Integration with AI, robots, and the replacement of traditional law enforcement is just around the corner. Given that leftist organizations managed by Momentum, which is behind the defund the police movement, and given that Momentum has been connected to IIA operations, the case can be made that Jones and Co. are running the defund the police influence operation simply because they are in a position to benefit by offering an alternative solution that is already in line with the Green New Deal agenda. We've already seen some of this rolled out with the technocratic response to COVID-19, with autonomous drones, contact tracing apps, nanotech vaccines, and predictive modeling for social distancing and economic shutdowns. Furthermore, this technology is behind the push for police abolition, defunding law enforcement, and re 
replacing it with smart justice, given we have seen IIA shadow net technology implemented by the Socialist Democrats and Sunrise Movement, who are using it to push for police abolition. This political movement is deeply connected to the UN, who has partnered with Interpol to corral us into the artificial intelligence and robotics for law enforcement direction. All right, we don't got to see that band.video theme because band.video banned this video, <laughs> which makes absolutely no sense. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Uh, we got to get through Shadowgate. This is actually part one. If you guys were not aware that there is a second part to Shadowgate and there's a third part in the works. Um, but uh, yeah, it just it does me good to know that at least 250 patriots were online with us watching this show, watching this documentary. Again, so super banned. What was it about, you know, Shadowgate that people banned it? Uh, clearly, it wasn't because they talk smack about Roger Stone. I don't know, guys. Uh, for those of you in the chat, do y'all feel like what they said about Roger Stone was telling you that he was the kingpin behind all of this technology and he was trying to bring down Trump and ruin the Patriot movement? Because that's the angle that Alex Jones used in order to separate himself from Millie Weaver. And then after that... Um, that's really where his true color started to show. That's where you could see how he was maybe not a shill, but controlled opposition or possibly blackmailed, and he was taking orders for something else. Now, if you go back to my um, the show that we did where we did the watch party with Patrick Berge, and again, Patrick Berge is the, uh, is the veteran in here who developed this software, uh, he, we, we aired an interview with him where he kind of spilled a whole lot more beans on what was going on with Alex Jones, as well as other people, including the Proud Boys, and where they kind of fit into all of this. It, it's, it's really crazy. And the reason why, you know, they wanted this band um, from the world is basically because it told all of America's enemies or all of the other nations around the world exactly how they were playing them and the means that they were to that they were doing that by uh, the reason why people in America politicians did not like this is because it was telling the world how they were setting them up with the voting systems how they were influencing elections and also how they were choosing people who they want to work with so you know how we talk about sometimes oh say, say for example when we're talking about like like uh, uh, police officers and how there's good police officers and there's some sour grapes in the police office for, uh, in the police force. Um, but it, it seems like it goes a lot to hiring, right? Like if you hire the megalomaniacs, the, the super type A's, the ones that, um, that really, you know, are just kind of off a little bit in, in their mind, uh, they have that software that was Clearforce where they could actually get all of the data that was coming from the 702s that Brennan was taking overseas and then selling back, in other words, selling all of our personal phone calls, our web searches, our, our messages, our text messages, anything about us that they have on the web that was siphoned by the 702s into uh, the NSA and, and, and in that course of time uh, that they were, they were twinning the stream and they were taking that data and it was going to Brennan's company offshore, you know, and then they were 
manipulating it. They were studying it. They're analyzing it. That's how they found they had the whistleblower on Trump, right? Because uh, they said it was a whistleblower, but it was actually it was actually a wiretap coming from the 702 streams, right? That were twinned or manipulated, uh, copied, right? So uh, going back to this police officer example, I'm not saying this is how they do it in the police officers, but going back to that, they they would use that clear force which was uh the group that bought that data so they could plug it into their machines and then they could say okay well based on this person's profile we see they vote this way we see that they have these kind of attitudes they, we see that they like this kind of film okay we'll hire this person because clearly they're a megalomaniac you know based on what they see inside of their profiles that kind of thing, guys. So that's why they were very opposed to this being released in the United States of America. And of course, people in the IIA, that is, again, these internet, uh, that's internet, interactive internet activity. Uh, and that boils back down to uh, shows like mine. I mean, I could very well be IIA. I mean, and then if you take a generic, if you take a generic look at IIA, interactive internet activity, anything is facebook twitter podcasts live streams but what they don't want you to know is that people in you know patriot movements could be possible operatives for iia you know what i mean and and there was a big push to try and get a civil revolution a kinetic war going between the patriots and the liberals and so that's why whenever i came across someone that was talking like that i would shut them down as quick as i could because i don't believe that we will have that i mean there don't get me wrong guys the tree of liberty must be watered it has to be unfortunately uh, and who knows in this civilized revolution that we're going through right now that may not be the case but the tree of liberty must be watered, and I just say, may it be with the blood of America's enemies and not with Americans themselves. And I think that that was the whole point of the apparatus working behind President Trump, uh, and that's why they have taken the route that they have taken. But anyways, guys, okay, so like I said, when it comes to stuff like this, when it comes to programs like mine, shows like mine, don't take my word for it. LaVar Burton, you know, do your own research, follow your gut. I think if you do that, you will find the truth yourself and you will be the leader that you need to get you where you need to be. You don't got to follow people like me. You don't got to follow us, you know, but um, that's not to say that I don't enjoy bringing you all this analysis, but it's, I would say, trust your gut first, listen to yourself first. And, and that's how you will be able to decipher through all of the information that we're overloaded with day in and day out. And I say that because of the content of this film, it is, it is going back to that. It is showing us how everything is manipulated. And we, we heard from the two whistleblowers, one that was involved on the actual technical manufacturing and creating of it, and one that was involved in operations that uh, kind of exposed that. So anyways, guys, all right, that's the Shadowgate. We had a great, I, I had a great time tonight. Uh, I appreciate all the chat that was going on in the chat room today. And I'm glad that we got to show this on the Foxhole app because... Uh, again, I think that this was uh, this was a documentary. Uh, this was a documentary that was massively, massively blackballed, banned, and everyone just crapped all over the content creators and all over the people who are within this documentary and did not even focus on the content itself. And that's when you know someone is over the target because they want they blackballed Millie Weaver, Tori, and Patrick Berge. They're still doing it to this day. People are still blackballing them. 
without even paying attention to what was inside of this. And I mean, people who have the integrity to put their money where their mouth is, so to walk the walk, you know, that's that's where you see it, the fruit of their labor. You know what I mean? So anyways, guys, I got to let you go. Uh, thank you so much. Before I go, let me release the scratch off ticket. Let's release the lotto ticket. Thank you all for those who um, submitted or donated donated gold pills to the show. I do appreciate it, guys. Uh, and, and I'll catch your names. I, I, Jess V was one of them. And uh, let me see if I can scroll up here real quick and, and catch the other one so I can thank you on the air. Uh, let's see here. Go up, scroll bar. Up, I say. Up, up, up. Okay. Uh, Just V, thank you so much. And also... Ooh, boy. J-Bell, how could I forget? J-Bell, thank you again. And thank you for hosting the other night. It was a great night. All right, guys. I'm going to release the lotto ticket. You guys have fun box hopping and, uh, and doing your due diligence yourself. Uh, this is a great close to uh, the Forgotten Country, I think. Let's not forget about the unity, guys. Like, it's time that we unify the party. And, and I don't mean any specific party, but I mean amongst patriots ourselves. Um, we need to stop the infighting. We need to embrace the information if it's there. Because the light of truth is going to come out either way, regardless if you want to or not. And you don't have to be afraid of it if you've been towing the line and you've been doing your due diligence. All right. I've said enough. I'll be back tomorrow. The Sea Report will be live with more headlines and we'll see what's up. Till then, have a great night, everyone. Thank you so much. And America, don't forget, we love you. We love you. We love you. Have a good night. Mm -hmm.